Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Vern Value. And we are 25-year Wall Street veterans who have taken on secret identities and gone underground in order to bring you our candid views each week on a handful of stocks in Value Line's investment survey. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news. But our bosses, our new bosses, uh, would never allow our unvarnished views on the air, so we disguise our voices so they'll never know. Uh, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Uh, it's after work. We're kicked back at the uh, local coffee shop or tavern. It's top secret. And we've been doing this about 25 years. Uh, now you're in on it. Please see all of our caveats at www.thevalueguys.com. But I will tell you, we do have many conflicts of interest, wouldn't you say, Vern? Yes. Thank you. And uh, we may own these stocks, we may not, uh, usually we do, and we may have a complete lack of knowledge about these stocks, so be forewarned, and increasingly it feels like we that, know nothing about That's actually the about. most common condition. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of information about us at our but website. But who really does? Again, www.thevalueguys.com. This week we're looking at the October 17th, 2008 edition of the Value Already. Line Investment Survey. Two and weeks to Halloween. Why is everything always happening in September and October? That's a uh, doctor's thesis waiting to happen. It's a haunted month. It could be, but uh, it's it's weird. We're, of course, in a major crash, which the value guys have been on. Uh, that doesn't help our stocks, by the way. But uh, we've known this for some time. It seems to be a slowly evolving one to where now the markets are off so much that we're really looking back to the most recent time when there was anything like this. It feels like 1974, uh, and not only in the data, but the market then was down about 50%. Uh, that was also caused by a bit of an increase in tax on America. This time it's losses in banks on real estate. Back then it was a tripling or quadrupling of oil prices. But, um, you know, if George Bush comes on television with a sweater on or a cardigan with a fireplace going, then it's going to seem completely like the 70s. Uh, but I do think that there is some hope that this is going to evolve the way 74 did. So go wiki up uh, 1974, and I think you'll see that um, uh, eventually the market did recover. Eventually there was hope again in America. Do you remember and, that, Vern? And people became wealthy. They did. In fact, if you, you know, if you went and looked back at a chart up through any year except this year, you'd look at it and you'd go, geez, why didn't I buy in then? Right? I mean, you did that. That was the low, you know, going back well, for I, dozens. I loaded of up in 74. You did? How old were you in 74? Would you take your allowance money? Details, <laughs> exactly. details. All right. Well, anyway, I'll be back at the back half of the show. Maybe I'll talk a little more about the panic of 1873. Oh, I hope so. Or Don't the panic you? of 1907. There's a lot of similarities. People should be aware the uh, world was ending then, too. Mm -hmm. So it's ended a lot of times. How about 42? Yeah. Well, that was more serious. The market was down uh, quite a bit then, too. Mm -hmm. Um, but then we turned the tide of the war. In any case, I'll be back at the back half of the show to talk about two drug companies, Lilly and Bristol-Myers. So see, everyone, you really only need to make about a 15-minute investment here. Uh, right, sorry, but ahead. the back half, I can assure you. And then Prudential Financial, which I've talked about before. But first, with a lot of ado this week, Ooh, uh, and the lot. reason for that is that Vern's given me a ride, and uh, I'm saving gas money by riding with Vern or train money. 
Okay, so I'll be back uh, just after Vern's exciting comments uh, that he's about to give about all the great stocks that he's discovered this week. Uh, that one. What an original <laughs> and compelling introduction. Thank yeah, you, you're Val. Sure. Uh, well, it, hello, everyone. Uh, I'm just is, Joe, the stock picker. Now it's now it's uh, the Vern Value half of the show where we're going just to talk fast about forward, fast three forward. compelling new stock ideas. Uh, in all three cases, stocks uh, marked down to prices that haven't been seen in quite a while. Do you mind if I have a candy while you're talking? No, please do. Thank you. Would you it, like it, one? It, it, It'll occupy your mouth. I right? hope. Um, my first <laughs> stock is actually a, is a is a REIT, um, and I don't, and not that I know a lot about valuing REITs, but um, Pro, I think it's pronounced Prologis Trust. Um, I own that one. Apparently, trains up. Do you? Mm-hmm. Apparently trades on the New York under PLD. We're Commercial warehousing good, in every maybe major you'll port know in the something world. about it. Something's the operative and, uh, word. And a uh, pipeline, a development pipeline of $8.7 billion at the end of the June quarter with about $4.5 billion under construction. And uh, what I like about it is exactly that. It's global distribution and increasingly internationally, according to Value Line, about 87% of their development Money in the year ahead uh, happening internationally, a lot happening in Asia and Central Europe. And the compelling thing about this, a lot of people don't realize that just because the developing world has become such a powerhouse in manufacturing, making uh, you know commodity products cheaply and shipping them to the developed world where people want to only work you know 30-some hours a week and have many, many weeks of vacation and not actually have to sweat or anything um, – in Europe, you mean? In Europe, yeah. in particular, yes. Old uh, Europe. And increasingly in our dear country. But, Things um, seem like they're going very wrong. If though. you're a consumer in one of these countries, trying to actually buy these products in your home market is very difficult to do because there's very uh, a very poorly developed uh, logistics and distribution systems in the developing world. It's a huge opportunity, and uh, I think this Prologis Trust is uh, right in the middle of it. Is this part of your thesis for owning it? Uh, my thesis is that world trade is growing faster than U.S. GDP, and I don't tend to own international stocks because of the currency issue and accounting. Mm. But in this case, I have a company that I think will grow cash flow faster than uh, U.S. GDP, one and they're these, gaining uh, share in the uh, economy. One of these strange with uh, Value Line system is they rate this five because uh, the uh, it's fallen out of – uh, bed in terms of the price. Well, they're at least um, according to value line goes recently down. under twenty eight dollars, um, traded north of sixty six earlier this year. And what got me interested originally is that uh, uh, book value, which has been rising fairly consistently, apparently a significant, I would say, construction phase has been underway over the last four or five years, um, and. Um, Book value, which had risen from uh, our uh, price, which had been at anywhere from a 40% premium to twice book throughout this entire period, is now basically at book. And, you know, surely there's four years of gains have been uh, erased. uh, Basically, yeah. But uh, this is going to be higher value, should retain it in terms of. Commercial real estate, uh, a lot of this is brand-new construction, energy-efficient, and uh, uh, constructed uh, for today's logistics, to support today's logistics models. So uh, this is going to be relatively high-value, stable-value assets, I think, in the overall commercial mix. And uh, 
Uh, now there's some um, uh, there's been some terrific pressure on profitability uh, as uh, uh, what Value Line's reporting is an operating margin, and I'm not even sure what that really is in this well, case. Well, real estate values, you know, they're right in the midst of that. So yeah, they own property, they lease property. It's all, you know, yeah. in trouble. So pre- profit margins under tremendous pressure. I say fantastic. Stock down 60% from high. Well, great. great opportunity. Trading at book value for the first time in a decade. <laughs> We're buying Wonderful. more. We're buying more. Yeah. So um, anyway, take a look at Prologis Trust. PLD value line rates at five. You know, always got to look at. It's value just a timing lines. thing on that. Yeah, sure. Uh, now my other two, uh, my other two stocks are uh, uh, chemical stocks, actually, and because of what's been happening um, with uh, the prospects for the overall real economy and for the global economy, um, uh, these economically sensitive uh, stocks, like most so others, well. haven't been doing very well. And uh, in you know, in in an environment where uh, uncertainty is high and visibility is low. Um, I also tend to gravitate towards quality, and these are both uh, these are both uh, very recognizable uh, industrial chemical brand names and uh, um, have very uh, substantial and stable positions in a wide variety of end markets. Both of them pretty well diversified. Uh, DuPont probably a little better than FMC, which are the two I'm going to talk about. I looked at that one. DuPont, symbol DD. Uh, basically, did you look at Dow? Yeah, I did. And, wh- and why did you choose DuPont? I don't remember. Okay, fair I, enough. I think That's mostly good. because you've talked about Dow like five times yeah. in the last year and a half. And, yeah. Or something well, like that. Two times, but yeah. Two, is right. that what it is? Yeah. yeah. Um, recently, uh, uh, DuPont around 36. This is a stock that's basically been in a range uh, from 33 to 50 some dollars for the last seven plus years, and uh, it's at the bottom of that range right now. So that attracted me. It looks pretty stable. It's been a market performer over the last three or four years, despite uh, growing pressure on profitability from higher raw material and energy costs, which have something to do with why the stock's down recently. If you pick it up here, you get a yield of almost five percent. And I think really this is a uh, this is a situation where uh, you don't have to worry about the stability of uh, that yield over time. Value line because the stock's down so much is looking for uh, average annual total return of nineteen to twenty five percent going out into the uh, ephemeral whenever future future, future time. year yeah future time that that far right column that you're not sure if it's uh, generating a really attractive growth rate or kind of a under-GDP sure. growth rate. But, uh, yeah, no, that's understandable. Um, and in this case, because it's down and uh, cash flow is cyclically high, it's trading about seven times gross cash flow, about 10, 11 times free cash flow. Return on total capital at DuPont, I mean, they clearly have something proprietary going on. They're earning high teens returns on total capital. They have a little bit of leverage, so you're talking about return on equity in the uh, mid, in sometimes high 20s. Um, and, you know, and I mentioned the great dividend yield. They've got terrific uh, operating margins, and this is one of the few stocks where the value line analyst has provided in the bottom right of the uh, traditional formatted page a breakdown of, it looks like they report five principal it's nice segments. nice when they do that. I like that. Uh, and it shows that... Uh, Really, DuPont is pretty well balanced, very big right now in agricultural products, um, you know, at the expense of some of the other businesses, but uh, 
Um, they've got a nutrition segment, uh, a nutrition. Uh, aren't they about? Excuse me, not to interrupt. Well. But Why? Aren't they going to have a massive uh, cost reduction here with oil prices going? From yeah, right. Exactly. To oh yeah. So uh, that's why I say, you know, expense, uh, expenses are up dramatically and profit margins are being squeezed because of higher raw material and energy costs. That's unwind. The stock's down a lot. Yeah. Great. Yeah, Wonderful. This is what I'm interested in. So um, um, something I think you can feel, you know, good about owning, maybe even for a fairly long time, but um, ultimately not long after it's past the $50 mark if it gets there again. So DuPont, DD. The other one, FMC, actually I think is – more uh, heavily concentrated in ag products, but I'm not really sure. And unfortunately, in this case, the value line analyst has not provided any of a break any breakdown. If you don't mm. know FMC, according to Value Line, they are the world's largest producer of natural soda ash. Well, great. You need that. What What is that? Soda ash, I believe, goes into uh, fertilizer. And, and it's ash, so glass you, making. you burn it first to create the ash. Uh, I, I believe you, you find it in uh, old forests. There's a, <laughs> apparently there are constraints on supply and booming demand for soda ash in their industrial chemicals unit. Do you mine, it? Do you unit. mine it? Maybe you mine it. No, they have a the cont- domestic producers are running at full capacity. Hmm. It doesn't really say. I have That's no a good idea. Question. You know, I should know that. The I largest used to cover producer of natural PPG, soda ash. and they made a lot of soda. Well, ash. apparently there aren't a lot of people that make it. They do, and a lot of people want it right now. May, so I think that's stuff. good. They have an agricultural products group where earnings were up 30% to $84 million. Sounds like a lot. I don't have a calculator, so we'll just assume it matters. And um, they have a specialty chemicals division that has a biopolymer business. Now, I don't know what that is, but anything with the word bio in it's growing faster than GDP. That's got to be good. And the other, one, the other piece is lithium. As in lithium-ion batteries, Value Line hardly mentions this. They say something about lithium sales should continue to rise along with global energy story needs. Well, lithium-ion batteries are taking share all over the place, I think. Is that what they use their lithium for? And there isn't a lot of, yeah, global energy storage, energy storage mm. battery. Uh, ah, yes, you're on Yes, and, and this could be a key to, you know, a, uh, you know car- mostly carbon-free automotive propulsion system eventually, perhaps. In any event, there are limited, uh, lithium is mined, and then I, there, you must process it. Now, why this chemical company is processing it, I don't know. But um, Maybe it's a chemical process. Maybe it's a chemical process. Yes, yeah, I just that's just I just thought of I'm that shocked. right out of the top wow. of my head. It just came this right is, into my head. You're a professional, aren't you? Well, it just, it just uh, popped into my head. M&G owns 8%. Wellington owns 6% of this, at least earlier this year, so uh, some fine company to be in. Um, there's a little bit of leverage, 30% debt to cap, nothing exotic in the capital structure. Um, DuPont, on the other hand, does have some preferred stock outstanding that complicates, uh, you know, the valuation calculations. But nevertheless, at DuPont, you're looking at about eight times enterprise value compared to what we think is uh, EBITDA, uh, multiplying operating margin times sales in the value line table. Well, FMC, uh, again, equity plus value of debt, less cash, only about five and a half times that same earnings number, EBITDA. Hmm. Um, so a lot cheaper. I, they're, I think, on the crest of a little bit of a wave in ag, but um, the stock has come off a lot. And at 36 bucks is eight times earnings. And it looks to me at six times, um, at six times gross cash flow, 
it looks to me like it's no more than maybe 12 times a trough estimate for cash flow. So really cheap. If if you're wrong on the timing a little bit here, I think the valuation will save you, and ultimately you'll come out fine. So uh, whatever's been driving the stock, why would it suddenly stop? You know, they must uh, have an edge. People want to eat more, and they want more compact, powerful batteries, and I think that's what the story's about. So FMC, you're going to want to take a look at it. Look at this. That's I'm, I, I didn't use up my entire time. Well, what are you going to do now? I, I guess uh, I'll give it an excru- excruciatingly long-winded introduction. Why don't we just move ahead? Of, uh, why don't we have a uh, beverage break? Okay. We'll do it on my break. time on the clock. You know, okay. People like oh, that, I'm sure. I didn't Next even, week. That was kind of weak, wasn't it? Yeah. I'll just try yeah, to dump better. something in. Mm. You know, I just have this. Uh, I brought this in because we're not where we are what is right that, now. Well, you're not actually allowed to bring uh, adult beverages into the location that we're at, and so uh, I use this to disguise the true nature of the Shh. beverage. Shh. I'm sorry. There's somebody well, out there. Yeah, they may not be listeners. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm gonna. I'm going to go ahead and uh, turn it over to you at this point. Okay. okay. Well, don't push that. No. I, I, let me operate. Okay. All right, so. You're going to operate. All right, control. ladies and gentlemen. Oh, thanks. And, and, and so, with uh, without any further ado, I'm now going to turn it over. No to... No further ado. No further ado. You I'm never turn give it over any now ado. To You're not the, into the that ado. pleasant passenger, only mildly annoying, values. Thank you. Thank you. That's well said. I mean, in relative. Okay. Well, this week uh, there was a lot of stuff in this issue that. Uh, was interesting, and we've we've done this stuff a lot of this before. Insurance, I got a good name out of there. Real estate investment trust, you know that's probably early. There's a lot of bad news that's going to roll through in terms of rents or something. Thrift industry, I'll bet you could buy a little bit of every one of those and you'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Diversify geographically. Uh, chemical, you know, Vern covered that. They're going to have uh, a big cost cut here, but you could have some volume problems in the near term because, uh, oh, let's face will. it, the economies but are that's everywhere. That's why you want to concentrate on um, <clears throat> sectors that seem to have good, right. you know, longer term. So there's this little, you know, you have this battle of theories. Vern earlier was saying uh, this seems like a time for quality. On the other hand, <clears throat> when the market is so beat up, and from here directionally, let's look at what they're doing. They're putting money into the banks. Okay, what, what happened? I get email. Can the value guys talk about what happened? Very simply, the government supported the idea that everyone should own a house, even though not everyone can afford one. Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, uh, you know, they, they increased their capital structure so they could buy more mortgages from banks. They eventually went to a system where you didn't really need to document your income, all to encourage home ownership. That's a very, you know, compassionate uh, thought. But many of these people couldn't afford them. Mortgages went bad, more so than anyone ever thought. So the insurance to cover the mortgage, those guys are going broke. And the companies that thought these were safe AAA mortgages because they were rated by people who, you know, are in trouble or broke now, um, are, uh, <clears throat> and those ratings turned out to be wrong. But they were reaching for yield, and so it's all unwinding. Now, I've – oh, I can edit that. We're fine. Okay. So, I was sorry about that. I was studying some panics, and to the extent that banks lost a lot of money – um, you know, in 1974, we lost a lot of money to uh, foreign oil producers. In 1907, we yeah, lost... Yeah, where was T. Boone then? Well, in 1907, there was a panic on a bank, the Knickerbocker Bank, the third largest bank in New York. I think T. Boone was involved in that. Uh, he could well have been, and, and John McCain evidently as well. Mm. But it's always a problem with the banks. People worried about money. 
And so uh, they want their money. They force sale. It forces asset prices down. In 1873, wiki this up, Panic of 1907, read that. Panic of 1873, read that. I'll save time. Now, once you've read that and come back, um, the fact is that markets give you opportunities at those times to buy in the face of fear. We do have 3,000 years of history of economic growth in the world. It's apt to continue. And this is a great time to buy. So with that in mind, you might not buy the quality. You might buy the one that's a little racier because when things recover, that's going to recover more. And I actually had a couple clients today that were, uh, you know, going off the reservation in terms of not buying my model portfolio. They had their own thoughts as to what makes a good stock. And they were buying stuff that looked a little gamey to me. But their theory is it's going to go up more when things recover. Uh, I'm a little chicken compared to that. <clears throat> I like value, but I don't like uh, bad balance sheets and too much leverage. So um, it, It's possible that when things are going well for a number of years in a row, that business models that maybe have some uh, underlying weaknesses and vulnerabilities have them covered up by a rising tide. But then when you get into an environment where it gets a little more competitive, sometimes you find out that some of these lower quality, you know, better opportunity names like, you're, you know, that you're talking about, um, maybe, you know, are a lot riskier. Well, that's Buffett's quote. You know, he made it a few weeks ago. When the tide finds out, goes out, you find out who's naked. And uh, we're finding that no. out. I think there's going to be a bunch of hedge funds that due to the leverage that you're not talking about or hearing about, due to their uh, I asked Warren opaque, to find his own way yeah, to talk okay. about Okay, we don't know Warren Buffett. Um, but some of these hedge funds have investments that they don't always tell you about right away. They're highly levered. So there's going to be some bad news in hedge fund world uh, over the next few months. Uh, and so I think it's still a good time to be a little cautious. All right, let me get into a couple of names. They're pretty easy. Uh, not a lot of work this week. I did a little less work than I was hoping to do. But Bristol-Myers Squibb, page 1253. What's my theme? Demographics. Uh, the rub on big pharma has been that they're not inventing anything. And, you know, they're not. So when you pay, this thing is at uh, 12 times earnings. The problem is their highest margin products are going to go off patent. It's not like you keep selling and you're going to have more competition and you might slowly lose share. Your share goes to zero because everyone puts out a generic. Now, if you've branded it well, you can stay involved with the generic, but your profit margin on that goes from 70 to, you know, 15, and that's a big hit to earnings. So all these big pharma companies face that, okay? Now, the offset to that, if you thought they were proprietary in drugs, that's starting to go away. The offset is they have giant sales forces, so they have distribution, they have the relationship with the doctors, and doctors, they don't like to waste time meeting new people. So these relationships with doctors are very powerful, and then you buy little companies that don't have distribution, and now you're buying the product and using your Salesforce as the proprietary element of your model. Uh, most of these companies right now have enormous uh, margins, sales margins built in. So like Bristol-Myers, 28% operating margin. I think they have 30% that they're paying for the sales force and, you know, national advertising, 30 40%, which means their gross margin here is 70%. So even if business slows down or uh, things come off patent, there's stuff they can do to adjust for this in the sales force, and I think that uh, they're apt to do so. They're putting up a low 20s percent return on capital. They lever it a little bit, 28% return on equity, and it's actually been getting better over the past few years. Uh, what does Bristol have? They've got brands that you've heard of, uh, Avapro, Provacol, uh, what else, Herbitux, 
which is uh, what that new drug, that drug out of Imclone uh, that they have access to. They do Taxol. Yeah, see, I, I, I looked at that. I don't think the numbers are. Huh? It's nine times gross cash flow. Well, they also had a uh, 17% piece of Imclone, which is being bought by Lilly. They're going to make a billion dollars on that that's not in the numbers. That's uh-huh. a couple bucks a share. And then, uh, you know, they have a couple things that are going to be coming out here. They just signed a deal to acquire a wound care business, so they're undoubtedly going to run that through, I'm sorry, to sell it for $4 billion. Uh, so that's money wow. on the balance sheet. They've got uh, two billion shares, so that's another couple bucks a share. They're trying to IPO uh, part of uh, uh, what Mead Johnson Nutritional Unit that they own. They're they're going they're through and they're unlocking value. So uh, they got a lot going on here in that regard. Uh, their valuation is pretty reasonable. Well, that's actually a great idea. Tw- dismantling a giant yeah a uh, drug conglomerate. Yeah. 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 Now, there are some things coming off patent, but bear in mind, you got a 27% operating margin. They spend 17% on R&D, which is, of course, up to them to do. That's a 44% margin. So uh, they're putting up a 7% yield. That's sustainable. I think that, you know, as a place to hide money while we sort out, you know, how long this thing's going to last, this is a great spot. Uh, Lily, ticker LLY, page 1267, and I do go in page number order. Uh, to help the listener, Fern. What do you want, a medal? Uh, did you have page numbers this week? There's no, no page numbers. All no. right. Lily, same theme In as the Bristol Myers. Listen, uh, let's see. 5.2% yield. It's selling at seven times gross cash flow, nine times free. They do a little better margin than Bristol. <clears throat> uh, around the same returns on capital in the 20s, same R&D. Their big drugs are a little different, of course. Obviously, Prozac they do, Zyprexa. They have some of these mental drugs. Prologis Avista. is on 1188. Okay, listen, I'm out of time, so don't don't interrupt. Let's see, 40,000 people uh, working here. They're going to cut some of the staff, it looks like, so they're cutting back a little bit, save some money. Um, they're acquiring InClone systems, so they're running this uh, InClone product through their uh, sales force. Same thing I was talking about with Bristol. They've got a giant sales force. And it's cheap on uh, cash flow, and it's got a 5% yield. You know, I think they're going to manage through. It's a good place to put money while you wait. The, the, the other two are pages 12, 36, yeah. and 37. Okay, thanks for using up my time, Bert. Uh, the thing I want to mention is this is the most interesting time, at least in my career, to find yield among high-quality companies. This is a reason to go high-quality because the dividend is sustainable. A 5% yield, you can't earn that in the bond market right now. So this is very interesting. Finally, and i got to do this one quickly, uh, Prudential Financial, PRO. I have talked about oh, this before, rats. so you can uh, – you, you can just skip this then is what you're saying. Uh, no, oh, I'm sorry. No, Vern. Uh, listen, I'm trying to tell the story here. Uh, Prudential, PRU, what's the story? These guys are an insurance company. All insurance companies have been really beat up. So this is 35 bucks. It was 103 bucks in 07. I actually owned it and sold it right around there. Uh, but we've gotten lucky. It's pulled back. They have investment management. They're doing 22 bucks a share in investment management income, 31 bucks a share in premium income, and of course, value line doesn't say this exactly, but they earn eight bucks, which means they must have fifty bucks or something in you know insurance losses, which of course is why you have insurance. So that's fine. They've been <laughs> buying stock. 
But uh, they're selling at five times earnings. This thing's been left for dead. Now, granted, their assets are down, so their uh, investment income going forward is going to be only 60 or 70% of what it is right now if it's all stocks, or 80, 90% if there's a lot of bonds. But still, they got a $56 book value. That's probably a good book. Stock at 35, and the market has really punished these big financial companies because, of course, there was some evidence that they were, uh, in some cases, you know, going insolvent. So that was not maybe entirely illogical. Well, there's still some risks that you don't really know what they own. Well, this particular brand, though, I think is primarily a money manager, and uh, they're putting up a very good number on, on that basis. They don't tell you how much... Uh, these guys have under management, do they? Oh, wait a minute. They do. $650 billion. Uh, they got 400 million shares. So how much is that, Vern? $150 a share? Uh, what's, uh, what's 4% of that? Uh, six? Six. So I must be six doing... Times. Yeah, I must be doing the math wrong somewhere in there, but uh, I'll have to work that through. In any case, ladies and gentlemen... Um, I was less prepared than I'd hoped to be, but these are easy names. If you go to uh, compelling. If you go to our website, you can dial this up from a past show, Prudential Financial, PRU. And my favorite stock this week is Prologis. Prudential Financial. Oh, two Ps. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week.